When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Taking Care of Grizzlies of the Fans First Sports Network, the official Memphis Grizzlies podcast for the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And as we're getting a whole lot of trade rumors right now, Let's just talk some trades. Let's take a break from the draft, talk some trades. I got Billy Reinhardt with me. He is a very close follower and has covered the Brooklyn Nets. Billy, how's it going, man? How you doing, Parker? Thanks for having me. No problem. So we could go ahead and put this part to rest. We're not going to talk about Mikhail Bridges. I didn't have you on the show to bait you into talking about Mikhail Bridges because, frankly, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But one thing, though, that even though – Mikhail Bridges may not happen because these two teams have discussed trades and the Nets do have like a surplus of wings that I'm sure they're going to be going through and evaluating this offseason. I'm sure the Grizzlies might revisit with the Brooklyn Nets, even if it isn't for Mikhail Bridges. I know people on Grizzlies Twitter have vouched for Cam Johnson, but all the reports out there are basically sounding like, okay, the Nets are going to match pretty much anything for Cam Johnson. I, I think it'd be more one of those things, not a money value for the Nets to not match, but if there's a sign and trade with Cam Johnson, what kind of package could come back in return? Is that where things kind of stand right now with Cam and the Nets? Yeah, I would be shocked if the Nets let Cam Johnson go. Um, I think his value could be anywhere from four years, 80 million to four years, 100 million. I think he'll probably be towards the middle, four years, 90 million. Um, and I'm not even so sure that Cam Johnson's looking to get the absolute top number and is going to go try and sign an offer sheet out on the market. Like, I think there's a chance the Nets and Cam Johnson come to an agreement 
uh, before he looks into the open market. So I would expect him to come back. He's best friends with Mikel Bridges. He's a piece the Nets valued in the Kevin Durant trade. I think he'll be back with the Nets. Um, I can't even imagine a signing trade possibility that would make sense for the Nets. Uh, I, I truly expect Cam Johnson to be back in Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I get that too. I get that vibe as well. Also too, it's just so hard to guess with restricted free agents because there's the matching factor. And then you're like, okay, what will it take for you not for them not to match it? And of course, and then also through the Grizzlies don't have any cap space either. So like, obviously it'd be a sign and trade. And I, I just, it's just, there's too many working parts to make it work where it just, it's just not going to work. So, but the two names that are pretty much out there that could be options for the Memphis Grizzlies is Dwayne Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Finney-Smith first, because he didn't shoot shoot it that well in Brooklyn. He only shot 33.7% overall last season and sub-30% with Brooklyn. A big, a big fall, a big fall off from his days in Dallas. Just for anyone that might be apprehensive about trading for Dorian Finney-Smith because of his run in Brooklyn, do you have any additional context that might kind of steer some people back into the idea of trading for Dorian Finney-Smith? Yeah, so Dorian Finney-Smith has a track record of a few years now, being one of the best three and D wings in the entire league. His value is still very much through the roof, from what I've heard. Um, despite his short tenure in Brooklyn, he did deal with a bit of a finger-hand-wrist injury while with the Nets. He has since undergone surgery, and they're expected to have him at full strength by training camp. So I think Dorian Finney-Smith is still one of the more valuable uh, three and D wings in the league. He could even play some small ball five in a pinch as he show with the nets um, due to his strength and size and ability to space the floor. So I, I think he's a perfect fit for Memphis, um, especially in those Jaron Jackson at the five lineups where you can go Finney Smith at the four um, and where his sometimes inconsistent shooting might not be as big of an issue if he's playing the four. So uh, I, I think he'd be a great fit for the Grizzlies. I think he's someone that could be available for the nets the Nets are a tough team to kind of predict right now because usually you have a good idea with teams if they're kind of moving towards contention or if they're looking to rebuild. The Nets, due to these two monster superstar trades last year, uh, they're kind of at an inflection point now where they can go either way. From what I've heard, the Nets have no interest in moving Mikel Bridges. They don't have their own draft picks for quite a few years due to the James Harden trade to Houston a few years back. So there's really no incentive for them to blow it up. So I think they want to keep Bridges, and the worst-kept secret in the league is that the Nets are eyeing Damian Lillard and have for a couple of months now. So they seem very confident in that. We just got a shams bomb at, right before we started recording here about um, Bradley Beal potentially with the Heat being a prominent suitor. So we heard the Heat and the Nets potentially for Damian Lillard. If they're getting Bradley Beal, which they do have less assets than the Nets to potentially pursue Damian Lillard, or if they think they're going for Bradley Beal, that's kind of an indication there that the Nets are the leading suitor for Damian Lillard, which I believe is the case. So in the case that the Nets wanted to pursue Damian Lillard, I think Dorian Finney-Smith is a piece that while he fits well next to Lillard, they might try and liquidate his value into draft picks or younger assets that could be sent back to Portland. So that's where Memphis could come involved um, with some of their picks or young players that could be sent back to Portland. Absolutely. And I, there was also something that Wynn Horst dropped on ESPN earlier today saying that if Bradley Beal gets traded between now and next Thursday, people are going to be surprised at the price and potentially how low it's going to be because his contract is not attractive. 
And if you're also piecing that together with the, and obviously a couple hours later, you have Woj and Shams come out and say, hey, the the Wizards and uh, Bradley Beal are working together about a possible trade if they reset their roster. And then they also talking about Miami and also too the the weird thing with uh, Woj said in the sign and trade the whole uh, no trade clause he said not only can Beal control where he goes but what kind of package is coming back and that's where it's like okay that feels like Miami that feels like Miami given the fact that Tyler Hero is really their only attractive tradable asset they have another pick in the top twenty and they can trade maybe one or two more picks obviously that's not giving up a whole lot when you're still playing with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, which then becomes an option where Damian Lillard could very well end up being a trade candidate for uh, Brooklyn, especially given what, given what they may do at the, at the three spot. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Mike Schmidt is just like raging right now at the possibility of floating maybe above the play in and missing out on a chance for Scoot Henderson. But I mean, I think all this stuff that's going on right now, could very well dictate what Brooklyn's plans this offseason and Memphis for that matter. For sure. I mean, this is the week before the draft, right? Usually trades, rumors come to a full steam on Monday when teams stop posturing, things get real um, and discussions could be had. It seems like momentum is moving towards Portland, keeping that pick. And Damian Lillard's made it clear that if they do that, he likely will be looking for another home. So I think the momentum is moving towards Lillard. Um, and the Blazers coming to a mutual parting of ways of sorts. And I, th- I think the Nets will be at the front of the line for that. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. And I, I do want to ask, with like, in, in conjunction with the Damian Lillard uh, situation, because, I mean, another team that's out there for, uh, for Bradley Beal is Philly. I know that's been a, not a really great kept secret for quite some time. And then maybe Dane does go to Miami. What is uh what does Tyus Jones do as a consolation prize? Is it one of those things where they feel like Tyus Jones is a good enough upgrade over Dinwiddie, or they still kind of value the the culture and the vibes that fill, uh, that Dinwiddie sets? Like I know he had a really good run in his first tenure with the Nets, but I know stuff kind of got sour. Great, I'm all, I may be only basing it off his interaction on Twitter with Kyle Kuzma, but uh, where does uh, Tyus Jones kind of stand for you and for Brooklyn? on his attractiveness as a trade asset coming back to Brooklyn and being that starting point guard next to Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. Yeah, I think Tyus Jones is a good player. He's someone that I know fans on Twitter had speculated about um, as a potential Nets fit. I I still think Spencer Dinwiddie's a little bit better of a player than Tyus Jones, as as good as Tyus Jones is, his assist to turnover ratio and how he leads a group. I still think Dinwiddie has a little bit more upside as a point guard. Um, and if the Nets were to miss out on Lillard, I'm not really sure what the path would be. It seems like they have all their eggs in in Lillard's basket right now. And also there's the variable of the Grizzlies with John Morant's looming suspension. We're still waiting on word about that. How willing are the Grizzlies to give up Tyus Jones? So I don't really think that's a, a possibility that's going to happen anymore. I just think both teams, given everything that's going on, are probably going in different directions. But Tyus Jones would be another nice backcourt piece for the Nets or for anyone else if he uh, wants a bigger role elsewhere, or the Grizzlies are willing to give him that. For sure, for sure. And I mean, obviously, with Tyus Jones, it's I'm kind of more in the park of like, I'm not like out there pushing super hard for a Tyus Jones trade like a lot of other people are. 
it's just one of those, he's the trade asset that makes the most sense to bring in a starting small forward because he does have starter value around the league. He could go and be a starting point guard somewhere. And there's a lot of places out there with wings that could need a starting point guard, whether it's Brooklyn or Toronto with Fred Van Fleet being a free agent, as well as Grizzlies assistant Darko Rajatovic uh, going to the Toronto Raptors as well. Um, it's just, and then also too, like I think Steven Adams proved last year to be pretty ind- indispensable for the Grizzlies and uh, Brandon Clark's injury doesn't make him much of a trade asset either. It just all kind of points back to, to Tyus Jones. And uh, the thing that stands out to me with Brooklyn is I feel like I feel like with Brooklyn, it's a very good win-win, especially with Dorian Finney-Smith, because I think anybody they target as the starting small forward should also be able to scale to, scale down and play or scale up and play the four alongside a lineup with Job, Bang, Kennard, Jaron Jackson Jr. And Finney-Smith fits that. He's shown an ability to be a high-level role player alongside elite playmakers. And in Memphis, you have an elite playmaker and John Morant and a budding very good secondary playmaker in Desmond Bain. I just feel like that makes the most sense uh, if that's something that Brooklyn's interested in as well. Listen, I'm not so sure Tyus Jones as a starting point guard would be an option, but I do think if the Nets were to get Damian Lillard, which is the assumption I'm operating under right now, I think they could be looking for a backup point guard that is cheaper than Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's making $20 million a year. So um, like I said, it's tough to predict the Nets offseason because there's so many different machinations they could have given the many mid-sized contracts they have, salary matchers, lots of picks. So, I mean, this could be a whole different roster come a couple months from now, but I could see Tyus Jones potentially being a good fit as a backup point guard um, in a Dorian Finney-Smith uh, type of swap. But right now my gut tells me that the Nets are going to try and use Finney-Smith um, as a piece where they get picks back to send back to Portland. So uh, I, I think that would probably move the need a little bit more for the Nets because you have to keep in mind for the Nets, getting Damian Lillard wouldn't be the final piece. Um, Lillard and Bridges can maybe make you a, maybe a second round playoff team, maybe a Knicks-Cavs tier type of team in the Eastern Conference. But the idea would be to keep enough flexibility and hold enough picks and assets back that you would still have room to add one more star over the next year or two. So I, I think that's important for the Nets. And if they can hold some of their other picks back by moving Finney Smith for a couple that could satisfy Portland, I, I think that's probably the avenue the Nets would take more. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And obviously Brooklyn, it, Brooklyn, it's always so hard to gauge. Cause I mean, lot, like during the whole KD Kyrie situation, you had the owner coming out basically saying he'd rather be a 40 win team with good vibes and have a superstar team that with a lot of headaches. But obviously Damian Lillard and Mikhail Bridges are two totally different vibes than KD and uh, Kyrie Irving as well. And, you know, Brooklyn, big market. They're going to star hunt They're They've star hunted since 20, uh, 2013 when they got, uh, they had Joe Johnson before that, and then they also they got Darren Williams in 2012, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. Like they're always going to start hunt, mm-hmm. um, and I mean it. It does make sense. It does make sense for sure. Um, another name I do want to ask about is Royce O'Neal because there's some stuff I like about Royce O'Neal. You know, on one hand, he's a good rebounder for his position. He has improved as a playmaker, and before I get into like my drawbacks with O'Neal. He upped his assists per game from 2.5 to 3.7. Was those more as a, like, connector kind of piece, or was he, like, legitimately, like, making very strong reads uh, to open Tina? What kind of 
assists was O'Neal generating last year in Brooklyn system. Yeah, you mentioned, I think his playmaking was probably the greatest area of growth or the biggest surprise um, coming over from Utah. I mean, we saw him as a defensive player, uh, tough nose, hard nose, scrappy player, even like three-point shooter catch and shoot guy in Utah. But with the Nets, um, kind of because Kyrie Irving went down in the beginning with that suspension and then Ben Simmons was in and out of the lineup and then sometimes not playing closing games because of spacing issues. And given how much Katie and Kyrie get doubled or got doubled when they were here, um, Royce O'Neal kind of became that guy that would be a secondary playmaker off of traps or even sometimes bring the ball up and have Katie and Kyrie work off the ball. A little less of that role once Mikel Bridges and Spencer Dinwiddie came over, but O'Neal showed that he can kind of be a, a third ball handler, third playmaker in a lineup. So while I don't think that's his ideal role, he has a versatile enough skill set to contribute across the board. So, I mean, Nowadays, where you see specialists sometimes get exposed in the playoffs, I think having a guy like a Royce O'Neal as your fourth or fifth piece in a, in a lineup is very advantageous. He's a guy who could do a little bit off of a catch and go running. Uh, when someone tries to close out hard on him in the three-point line, he can make a play. Um, so he's just a well-rounded player. I think he's the perfect role player. He's someone I really um, enjoyed watching in Brooklyn this year. He does all the little things, plays super hard, guards up. Um, he, he's only a, he's a guy that's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, but – he really has an ability to guard up almost better than he does guarding down. I think he's better guarding fours, a strong type of four, like a Siakam or a Julius Randle than he is guarding a quick point guard. Um, so he has a lot of versatility, especially in a switching scheme. And he's another guy, a little bit of a better shooter than Dorian Finney-Smith that I think would fit well in Memphis at the three, maybe more of a true three than Finney-Smith is. I think Finney-Smith is maybe more comfortable as a four. So, uh, And I think Royce O'Neal could come a bit cheaper. He uh, is a free agent after next year. He doesn't obviously have the same size that Dorian Finney-Smith has. So I think you can get him a bit cheaper. I think it would still probably cost a first-round pick, given that's what the Nets gave up last year, and he probably had his best year last year. Um, so I think it would still take either 25 from Memphis or future Golden State pick or something of that, plus a salary matcher, obviously. But um, I do think O'Neal would arguably be an even better fit than Finney-Smith for the Grizzlies. That's very interesting. And, yeah, like, great shooter good defender but those guys especially like finney smith and o'neill it's not a sexy pickup at all but it's solid and it kind of reminds me of in 2013 the grizzlies traded rudy gay for tayshaun prince where like tayshaun prince had you know the big name because of his tenure in detroit but i mean he wasn't the same player but at the same time it allowed mark gasol and mike conley specifically to take on larger roles because those shots from rudy gay weren't were wide open and Tayshawn wasn't going to take all of them. And so that's kind of your goal with especially Dustin Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. More so Jaron Jackson Jr. is could these shots that were once going to Dylan Brooks now go to Jaron Jackson Jr. And I feel like with Dory Anthony Smith, Royce O'Neal, it allows you to do that. And that could end up raising your upside as well. For sure. No, I, I think with the Grizzlies from an outsider's perspective, Obviously, the John Morant situation is is a variable right now, but let's assume for argument's sake that he gets back to being a relied upon perennial all-star type. Obviously, you want to leap from Jaron Jackson, which I think will happen naturally as he gets older. Same with Desmond Bain. Um, but I, I do think they are a piece away on the wing, and that's why we heard about them offering four first-round picks at the deadline for Bridges, because theoretically he's a perfect fit that gets them to that championship level. So I think eventually they're still going to have to find an all-star on the wing um to pair with Morant and Jackson um 
But like you said, getting a guy like O'Neal and Finney Smith can kick the can down the road a few years. It won't cost you an arm and a leg. You can give up a first round pick plus and uh, get one of those guys that really help you improve in the short term while still having flexibility long term for when that wing star ultimately becomes available. So I think it would be a smart move for the Grizzlies. And I definitely think the Nets could be a match. For sure. And uh, it's one of those things I wrote about this in my Substack is getting a guy like Finney Smith or Royce O'Neal, depending on the trade package, not only can you kick the can on getting an all-star wing, but they can also reassess their, their young wings, whoever's left of those guys, whether it's Zaire Williams, Jake Laravia, David Roddy, seeing if one of those guys can end up growing into the role. Because, I mean, going into the season, their, their goal was to see if Zaire Williams could be that starting three. He showed a lot of upside in his rookie season as that guy. I mean, they won 56 games with him starting almost 30 games as a rookie, as a raw rookie at that. So, and I think getting a guy like Royce O'Neal, Dwayne Anthony said, depending on the trade package, it allows you to have a stopgap, see what happens off the bench, who can emerge, or resuscitate some value and go get that all-star wing. That's kind of how, how I uh, see things there. For sure. And I mean, whether Williams would be in the deal for O'Neal or Finney Smith or, or kept in Memphis, I think if he is kept in Memphis, Royce O'Neal has shown, I mean, he started every game of the season before KD got traded. And then afterwards, he came off the bench for every single game, never pouted, always played hard, played a lot of minutes still, but he was guarding Joel Embiid at points in the playoffs. Like he's a true team first guy. And he would be okay with, hey, listen, I'm, I'm the starting wing, but just, uh, Williams is going to finish games sometimes over me. He could be completely fine with that, and he'd be a good veteran mentor for him. So uh, I think Royce O'Neal is probably the better fit of the two for Memphis, but I think both of them are kind of ideal fits for the Grizzlies. For sure. Absolutely. And I do uh, – and also, I mean, with guys like Royce O'Neal, Dwayne Finney-Smith, it's no secret that Grizzlies need veterans. Uh, everyone in every talking head has talked about it. They, they need veterans, and those two guys really stand out. I know Dallas had nothing but great things to say about Dorian Finney-Smith. I read a, a bunch of articles from The Athletic about his presence there and the fact that originally they wanted him to retire a Dallas Maverick until Kyrie Irving became a possibility. And then, you know, you said all that great stuff about Royce O'Neal. They just need vets. They need professionals. And obviously you just saw with, with Denver, they had their homegrown core, but working around the margins for good vets like Bruce Brown and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Jeff Green, it paid off for them. And that that's kind of the hope in, in trading for a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith or Luke O'Neal. For sure. No, I agree with you. Yeah. All right, one last thing, one last trade that I want to throw out there that um, good friend of the program, Joe Molinax of Bluff City Media threw out there. Let's say it's like a Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney-Smith trade. You know, we're getting 25 back. That's already 21st, 22nd, 25th. I don't see Brooklyn being the kind of team that brings in three picks in the 20s, especially with um, especially with a lot of their players under contract. Uh, Bridges, Johnson, Claxton. Obviously, you still have Simmons and Cam Thomas, Joe Harris's contract, Patty Mills, Dinwiddie. There, there's, a lot, there's still a lot of players on that Nets team. There's only so many minutes, so many roster spots. And, I mean, even with the Portland, they also had the, the third pick and the 23rd pick as well. So that's, again, a lot of youth for them as well. Is there any 
Uh, is there any incentive for either side to maybe do like a Tyus Jones 25 and maybe a second round pick for either Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney Smith in the 22nd pick? Just do a little somewhat of a draft swap. I, 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 I could, yeah, I could see that for, for Royce O'Neal potentially. I think Dorian Finney Smith and Nets might hold out a little bit more. Um, but I think that's definitely something that could happen with Royce O'Neal. No, I agree with you. We are, I already had a rumor earlier today from ESPN that the Nets are looking to move up from combining 21 and 22 to move into the late lottery. I don't think they'll come to training camp next year with two first round picks. I think either they're flipping one or both for Lillard, or if they trade for Lillard, they only, they give up one or whatever it is. I don't see them coming in with the two first round picks as rookies next year. So um, I do think the 2024 golden state pick that Memphis has probably finishes 25 to 30, but the nets don't have a 2024 pick right now. So it would kind of give them some flexibility with stepping protections. Um, so I think that could be something that, is the baseline to a deal that the Nets would consider. But um, no, no, I agree with you. I can't see them going to training camp with two first round picks, let alone three. So, um, and I do think, like I said, Tyus Jones could potentially be a very good backup point guard option for the Nets um, behind Damian Lillard. Um, and for Royce O'Neal, I think they could consider that. But for Dorian Finney-Smith, I think they'd probably hold that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. And obviously... When it, when it comes to everything with Brooklyn, I mean, their main goal is to go get Damian Lillard, like, and to build something sustainable with Mikhail Bridges and Damian Lillard. So, obviously, when it comes to the when it comes to the Nets, everything with the Grizzlies is secondary. The only thing with the Grizzlies right now is, like, their priority is getting a wing. And, frankly, Brooklyn's secondary to me. I mean, the goal is obviously getting someone like OG Ananobi, and there's so many – stars that I feel like are aligning with that with Darko Rajachovich getting the job and then kind of singling a rebuild. Right? Okay. Could this be it? Does this make, does this make sense? They kind of need a point guard to run a system that Darko Rajachovich is familiar with. Cause that'd be something for Ty's Jones. We'll see, but regardless, it should be very fun to kind of watch unfold over the next week. I mean, we're already getting a whole lot of slots. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how uh, stuff starts to shake out and materialize over the next week. It should be great. The best couple of weeks of the year for playoff player movement. So uh, we'll have to stay tuned to see what happens. Absolutely. Billy, that's about all the time we have today on the show. Is there anything else you want to plug in or say on the show before we sign off here? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Billy Reinhart. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, Parker, and hopefully we could do this again soon. Absolutely. So y'all follow Billy on Twitter at Billy Reinhart uh, for all his stuff on the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA. You can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. All my written work is over at Substack at Substackalitas.substack.com. You can find that link in my Twitter as well. Everything's free. Any sort of support goes to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And make sure you are subscribing to the Taking Care of Grizzlies podcast of the Fans First Sports Network, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, wherever. So with that... Stay tuned. We have more draft stuff, trade stuff coming along over the next week. 